0: Welcome to the fourth episode of Views from the North. This week, I'm joined by Adam Whitlam, part of the Toronto-based fixed income sales team and Jordan Sugar, one of our provincial bond traders. This week's episode is titled, Provincial Prospects. I'm Ben Reitzes, and welcome to Views from the North. Each episode, I will be joined by members of BMO's FIC Sales and Trading Desk to bring you perspectives on the Canadian rates market and the macro economy. We strive to keep the show as interactive as possible by responding directly to questions submitted our listeners and clients. We value your feedback, so please don't hesitate to reach out with any topics you'd like to hear about. I can be found on Bloomberg or via email at benjamin.reitzes at bmo.com. That's benjamin.reitzes at bmo.com. Your input is valued and greatly appreciated.
1: The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of BMO Capital Markets, its affiliates or subsidiaries.
0: Before we start, let me provide a bit more background on today's guests. Adam is among the highest performing members of BMO's Canadian Fixed Income Sales Team. While Adam covers all fixed income products, he's become increasingly specialized in the provincial market and is a go-to source of information for his clients. Jordan is one of two provincial bond traders at BMO. His focus is Ontario and all the provinces to the west, so Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, and BC. Before becoming a provincial trader, Jordan traded strips, municipal bonds, and NHA-MBS. Adam, is there anything you'd like to
2: tell our audience about yourself before we start? Uh, No, I just want to say thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm uh, honored to be part of the illustrious guest list you've had so far.
0: And Jordan, how about
2: you? I would echo Mr. Whitlam's uh, statements. All right,
0: let's get started. Let's start by looking back a little bit, look at last week. Last week, the Bank of Canada surprised markets by announcing the end of the Canada Mortgage Bond Purchase Program, the BA facility, and they cut the amount of term repos they're going to be doing to every other week from every week. The CMB change had the biggest impact with a knee-jerk move spreads that was, that was at least partially retraced after 24 hours or so. We're still sitting at wider levels, though, as of today, uh, Wednesday. The Bank of Canada pulled back on its stimulus, immediately prompted questions of whether the provincial bond buying program is next. And so I think that's a good place to start. What are your thoughts there, Adam? How does the CMB announcement impact the provi program, or, or does it not at all?
2: yeah so the provincial bond program I've had a lot of questions about that after that CMB announcement and you know the overwhelming thought behind the, the client base is that there likely won't be any impact to the PBPP program at least in the short term and I tend to agree with that I think you know you have to look at some of the differences between the CMB program and the PBPP program and you know one of those biggest differences kind of as you've pointed out Ben is the CMB program, uh, was initiated in March. It was initiated very quickly, and as part of that, uh, it didn't have an end date. Uh, they had a commitment to buy, a, a, you know, uh, targeting around 500 million a week uh, for an indefinite period of time, and uh, they got that in place quickly to avoid the market kind of freezing up. Now, the PBPP program came into place in May. It had a little more time to sort of think out. What that program would look like, and so when they put it into place, you know, they dedicated to a year time frame, and they dedicated fifty billion program size for that provincial buying program. So, you know, I think that was a little more thought out, and I think you know the mechanics behind closing down that program early ahead of its termination date send a very different signal than ending a program that was kind of open ended. So that's the first point. The second important thing to consider is the take up on the CMB program and what that's looked like and how that's evolved. Uh, you know, If you look at the bank's balance sheet, uh, they were sitting on about $10 billion worth of CMBs. The take up of that program in the last few months was around 25% and less than 25%. Back in April, May, it was 100% and actually higher than 100%. So the take up of that program had dropped dramatically. Now if you look at the PBPP program, that take up has been a little more consistent. So out of their targeted amounts, if you look at it on a monthly basis, it averages between 40 and 50% and that's been fairly consistent. It was a little higher at the beginning, but now if you look at say September, you look at August, we're sitting right in around that 45% average take up. So, you know, to me that denotes that it's a program that is being used more. You know, I I think one thing you can note is that the lines, the number of lines in the program have been diminishing, and they have come back and asked for some of the dealers to suggest QCIPs that they can take down. And I think part of that is as they see some of the uh, more traditional lines disappear from the street, they look for some of the more illiquid lines uh, because they intend on continuing to use this program. And while it might, you know, the usage of it, may decline going into May, I think the likelihood of them terminating it is fairly low. Also if you look at the borrowing requirements, I mean the CMB program. So you look at CMBs in 2019, that's a 40 billion program. Uh, this year that's been up to a 60 billion program. So it's a 50% increase and the Bank of Canada, you know, they're now warehousing about 10 billion of that. So you know you look at that, they're warehousing about half of the increase in CMBs. Uh, if you look at the Pro V program, so the provincial program was 76 billion across all currencies in 2019 and this year it's looking like 172 billion so almost 100 billion more and currently the bank of canada is warehousing about 10 billion of that 100 billion of growth in financing so you know r- realistically Based on the amount of additional financing requirements, they're actually holding a lot more CMBs than they are probies. So that's another reason I, I just don't think the provincial buying program is is going to stop. Uh, and uh, we'll see it continue to be used right through to May.
0: Jordan, what's your experience so far with the provincial program, the Bank of Canada's provincial program? And do you think it has a place to this? Should they be continuing it? Should they be expanding it? Should they maybe move further at the curve? And, and uh, I guess, how do you view this uh, evolving? Yeah, so I would agree with everything Adam said, and I
3: do think that the program is still very much needed. What I would do is is something what you just touched upon, Ben, is as uh, I might consider um, you know tweaking it a little bit, extending the maturity profile, uh, perhaps concentrating more on the benchmarks. You know, the five year and the ten year. A number of the lines that have been included are some bonds that are you know myself, I sure some of the other dealers as well, but uh, but my you know are are tough to find. We're you know still trying to cover some of the shorter uh, the shorter dated Alberta and Manitoba bonds. So while the Bank of Canada is uh, scooping those up or including them in the tenders, I find myself still struggling to look for them. But because the program is still very much needed, a focus or a shifting focus more specifically on the uh, on the benchmarks, I think would be good. And then definitely extending the the, the maturity profile. You know, one thing to consider is that uh, a new Ontario tenure, you know, a, a June thirty one would not be included in this program. But I think the spirit of the program was to, uh, was to help with the funding of the provinces. And so the 10-year maturity profile is, uh, short-sighted is the wrong word, but, but I think maybe it was more just a date that was the date that it was launched. And so I think extending it you know, well beyond 10 years would, would be beneficial and would help the entire provincial complex.
0: So there's a couple of points I'd make there. One, I think this was probably dr- drove some of the Bank of Canada's thinking on limiting their purchases to, to 10 years and in. Uh, is 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 the bank's intention to hold one so they, they intend to hold their their CMBs to maturity, uh, but their intention for now or at least it has been uh, is to divest those provincial holdings over time once they I mean once once things kind of theoretically get better if we get back to normal whatever that is, the bank would be selling their 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 holdings. Do you do you think They'll be able to follow through with that is that a, a reasonable expectation you think for the bank given I guess what we know about QE programs globally and the difficulty in unwinding them yeah I don't think it would be much of a
3: problem for the Bank of Canada to uh, to divest what they had purchased especially in the zero to five year area there is a consistent in in better markets there is a consistent bid for that short paper there's a home for it uh, and like I mentioned it's uh, it can be tough uh, even now to find that paper. And I don't even try to sell it in the tenders because I am myself looking for it. So I don't think that would be a problem. And I think that if uh, under under the right circumstances, the ten year product, and even and even if they were to extend the maturity profile, uh, that wouldn't be a problem, or would be you know it wouldn't be a, a big problem. Uh, you know there will be risk on moves where the dealer community it will be a source of uh, of credit. And uh, under the right circumstances, uh, it should not be a problem. I, if you had a, uh, a consistent supply window, you know, that, might, that might weigh on spreads, knowing that every Tuesday, Thursday, there's, uh, there's going to be supply coming. Uh, so like I said, if the Bank of Canada can pick and choose its spots and have a good pulse of the market and when, you know, when credits bid, I don't think it would be much of a problem.
2: I, I was just going to add to that exactly what you alluded to, Ben, is that uh, the tendency for these QE programs globally, the hope has always been that we're going to eventually divest these assets and it's not happening globally. So I have trouble seeing you know, anywhere in the near future how the Bank of Canada will be any different. I, mean, I can think of other temporary programs that the, the government of Canada has introduced like GST and here we are many years later.
0: Fair enough. We're income tax after, or after World War I, many, many years later, still paying much, much more. Jordan, I think you, you made some uh, interesting points there. And I want to kind of put a pin in that, the fact that the bank is is, is able to divest, especially kind of over a multi-year horizon, you think they'll be able to sell kind of five-year and in paper. And that's, I mean, as, as years go by, I mean, that, that'll be their whole portfolio. So uh, it's, it's not unreasonable to think they could be sellers once this is all behind us. Uh, and, and I'd like to put a pin in that for later, just when we come back to trade ideas a little bit. Uh, I can change change topics a little bit here. Adam, your coverage universe is is the domestic client base. Are there any themes on the provincial front that stand out at the moment from the, the clients you speak to?
2: Yeah, I think uh, what I'm seeing from a lot of the client base right now, a number of them have had a fairly good pass in provincial long positions in 2020. Uh, you know, if you you look back to uh, March, and when the market was not quite frozen, but was starting to feel that way, there were a number of large domestic clients that stepped up and were heavily involved in cargo programs. Uh, a lot of them were short the provincial market going into that and they used some of those carve outs to get more neutral or to even take long positions and with the rebound we've had in spreads some of them have had a very good pass and you know we talk about uh, what's been going on in some of the the 10s 30s boxes uh, and you know you see some of the steepness in some of those boxes and i do think the domestic client base has you know, looked at how they've done this year and said, okay, let's take some off the table and uh, let's monetize some of those gains we've had from the massive spread movements. That being said, in talking to these clients, a lot of them think uh, if we were to get another backup, that that is something that they might look to repeat. I mean, the federal government seems to be, and the Bank of Canada seems to be fairly dedicated to, you know, helping the provinces through a difficult time. The rating agencies seem to be taking a more lenient approach. So, while things are are hard in 2020 and, and likely going to remain hard in 2021, uh, you know, on a spread back from a longer term perspective, there's some opportunity there. Uh, so, uh, so a lot of them are biding their time, waiting for uh, you know the next backup in spreads to to jump in. The other kind of overriding theme, and this is more from uh, the LDI side, uh, has been that all in yields have been quite low, so there has been a tendency to transfer assets out of. Not just probies, but fixed income in general, because all in yields are are very low, and to you know roll into alternative asset classes in order to you know meet some of the the necessary rates that they have to for these portfolios. So that's been you know you have these two kind of competing dynamics: one one group that's waiting for a backup and spreads, and one that's being forced into alternative asset classes. Jordan, how about you? From a trading perspective, you you speak to kind of a, a broader base of
0: clients. Are you seeing similar themes generally? Is there something else you'd like to, to pick out?
3: The one thing that we consistently see is a credit box steeper now on the back of the uh, was well, not necessarily on the back of the uh, the provincial you know purchase program uh, because it did it did not steepen until uh, until you know probably a few, you know, but a month ago where it materially steepened and we've kind of been uh, hanging out at this 15 and a half or so uh, basis point level but um, touching upon maybe uh, you know your conversation with Joel a couple of weeks ago, um, the duration hater, uh, you know, if you do think that uh, that the curve is going to continue to steepen, then there is really a lot of opportunity in the long end, and uh, we will see supply, but we know that. Uh, I think the you know the but there's still uh, there's still good opportunity uh, in the long end, and you know I would say maybe that trade not putting it on in the short term, but uh, maybe uh, as we get closer to the ending date of the provincial purchase program, uh, I would expect to see that box uh flatten. And uh I, I'm not saying we're gonna see the knee-jerk reaction that we saw in CMBs uh with you know fives and tens or specifically tens, ten year spreads uh you know backing up. But uh but that box should flatten wherever it is at that time uh you know after that program uh, comes to an end. I, I think that's a great point. Uh that guy
0: like very very I I kinda wanna touch on that a bit later, but we, we can go there now. I mean if you you combine the fact that it looks as though the curve uh the, the Canada curve uh, the rates market generally wants wants to uh, steepen notably here, and and that that seems like the the path of least resistance at least for the near term, uh, given that uh, a number of support levels have been broken both in Canada and the U.S. Uh, and, and quite frankly, I mean, as, as difficult as things are right now, being stuck at home all day every day like myself, this too shall pass. And and so uh, when it, when it does, you're going to see better growth. You're going to see higher yields. Things will look better than they do right now. And so uh, when and, and when that comes, the bank will start uh, finish the pr- profi bond buying program at least and, and potentially start divesting uh, maybe a little bit further down the road. And, and again, that that really drives the steeper Canada curve, the ending of the Profi program and eventual selling of those bonds. Maybe that helps drive maybe some of that that uh, flattening uh, in, in that credit box and, and something uh, definitely to look at over the coming uh, days and months, especially if you get any any move steeper here. I'm going to stick with the client questions a little bit more here. Um, overseas demand, those moves in, in in provincial bonds, they're always seen as a big market driver. Um, they're they're all, always a hot topic for the domestic client base. Jordan, let's start with you here. What are you seeing from that client base right now? Yeah, there is there is good demand. You know, long with long Ontario's, um, you know, well
3: north of not well, but you know, like let's say you know five to ten basis points, five to seven basis points north of uh, of two percent. Um, we are seeing very good demand for. Uh, for long, uh you know, it's in Ontario, obviously, because of the, the uh, just the sheer liquidity. But uh, for for long provincials, and that does drive our market at least for the first half of the morning or uh, or the better part of the day. And uh, and to the extent that spreads can continue to back up, to the extent that the box continues to steepen, and perhaps the Canada curve is cheaper and steeper, there's no reason to think that that buying will end. And we have so we have seen good demand in the long end. We've seen. Uh, you know, we've seen good demand in CMBs, uh, but also 10-year and 15-year uh provincial. So not right, necessarily right across the curve, but um but definitely uh of a, a strong focus
0: on uh on the on longs. Is there so for, for Japanese investors tend to be uh, a big focus that they are heavily involved in the provincial market, is there a is there a level at which they tend to be more attracted to provincial bonds like well one and a half percent two percent what's what's the, what's their threshold for, for getting involved is there one
3: I would say in this current market environment two percent has been has kind of been the level that's not to say that you know at, uh, at 195 uh, you know it completely fades but um, but two percent has uh, has been the uh, the magic number right now
0: and, and where on the curve can they get those kinds of yields where where are they looking how far out
3: oh that would be in in long Ontarios so for the international buyer their are focus on the Ontario 50s I think where the domestic client can really uh can really take advantage uh would be and just because they know probably the Ontario curve better would be in the 20 to 25 year sector. So for those extra few basis points to buy the 46s or the 45s in Ontario, even the Quebec 45s, you know, you're you're picking an extra, you know, let's say 5 basis points or so and if you think the Canada curve is going to continue to steepen, those bonds should do quite well.
0: I guess to, to kind of continue on this this uh, question track, and, and maybe Adam, you can chime in here. Um, how Relative to other SSAs, are provincial bonds attractive?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, uh, for the domestic client base or even the internationals, for the international client base that are looking at their you know, SSAs versus domestic swap back, I think ProVie's that, you know, especially when you stick to the Ontarios and the Quebecs, you get Great liquidity tight bid offer and the pickups, you know, if you say that an SSA uh, is kind of trading in there in a five year of something like 10 back of CMBs, you get a healthy enough pickup into provincials uh, and you get a pickup in liquidity. Uh, such that if you don't need to own something that is, a, you know, a zero risk weighted asset, if you're not if you're not constrained by the regulatory environment, then then probies are a great thing to add to your portfolio. They can add some some decent return, and uh, you're you're not giving up anything to do that. So you know, and I think I think the SSA community has seen some of the pickup in the, you know, international interest in our provincial market. And so, you know, if you look at the theme of SSAs this year, a lot of it's been geared toward green bonds, social development bonds. And so, you know, that's an area where I think you can see great growth in the SSA program, and it will maintain a specific demand. Whereas, you know, if you have uh, a regular SSA and you look at that compared to say a regular Ontario, the pickup is enough with low yields to justify you know, rolling into a provincial bond.
0: Maybe one of you would like to talk a little bit more about the uh, green bond programs the various provinces are offering and I guess the size there and, and how pro- how progressed they are,
2: how much progress the provinces have made in developing those markets. I mean, there's no question that that the green bond programs, green bond mandates Ah, uh, globally, have grown significantly this year. And you know the provinces, like all the other corporate issuers and SSA issuers, are very aware of it. I mean, have a look at Ontario. Ontario just did a green bond maybe two weeks ago, and uh, that book was seven times oversubscribed with massive orders from a huge variety of accounts. And Ontario, you know knowing knowing that that program is growing so much, Uh, is planning on doing another green bond issue. This this was off cycle, the one that they did two weeks ago. They're going to do another green bond issue. Maybe that's come the January, February timeframe, which is usually when Ontario, Quebec do their green bond programs. So that's definitely been an area of focus. In fact, Ontario said that the challenge right now is finding green projects. It's not the money. There's tons of money to go to green projects. It's finding the projects. Interesting. It
0: feels like it's just a
2: matter of time before kind of
0: everybody – Everybody lines up for some green bonds, including the federal government. Not there yet, but uh, it does seem like we're, we're almost there. I'd like to get each of your top two trade ideas at the moment. Um, let, let's try to stick with the Provi theme. I know that won't be a problem for you, Jordan, but Adam, maybe one provincial trade and, and maybe move one to another product if you, if you have anything that, with with really high conviction. We'd love to hear it. Start with Jordan, and then we'll move to Adam. Yeah, so you know what, that's a good question because I would say
3: you know about a month ago I would have said putting on little micro steepeners in the long end, you know, buying forty ones versus selling forty threes or forty ones versus forty fives, that kind of thing. That was the that was the right idea, but you know, present day that that trade is uh, kind of all that ship has sailed. So I do think that the cheap part of the long end is the is that twenty to twenty five year sector, you know, and I think that there's good opportunities for some of the. uh the non-Ontario and Quebec names. You take a look at Newfoundland. You know, in the context of uh, of you know mid to low uh, mid to low sixties versus Ontario. You know, despite their fiscal uh, you know situation, you know th- those spread that spread looks very good. Uh, you know, versus Ontario, it looks very good versus other provinces. So, so I, I like it's not much of an idea, but uh, but I would focus on some of the uh, the non- Ontario and Quebec uh, long names. You know, and I also think that. Um, that buying that twenty to twenty five year sector with the increase of uh, provincial supply that we know is coming, uh, I think those bonds will do much better. You know, maybe you think on the off chance that the uh, that the Bank of Canada extends the provincial program, um, you know, and then of course they would do significantly better. But uh, but even despite that, um, that sector looks cheap. Um, I think the right way to express that trade would be uh, would be versus the, uh, the 15 to 20-year stuff or versus longs. I'd caution uh, putting that on uh, versus 10s in the short term, but definitely in the long term versus longs or versus some of the bonds in the 15 to 20-year sector that have already started to roll down the curve. And I think that's the right way to do it. Thanks, Jordan. Uh, How about you, Adam?
2: Well, uh, so I'm going to start with a really simple one and all my clients know because I've been pounding the table on this one, but I really like BC here. I think BC, you know, BC longs and really BC across the curve at, you know, minus four and a half or minus four versus where Ontario is. You know, if you look at, at 10, 15 years worth of data, uh, that is a cheap level for bc that's an inflection point we've touched minus 4 in the past a few times and it hasn't been for very long before trading much better and you know on a from a fiscal perspective I mean, BC is still a triple A at S and P. Uh, when you look at, uh, say, what you know, Robert Kablicks put out. You know, our expectations for GDP from BC. Yeah, it's going to be negative five point four percent, but that's better than Canada as a whole. And uh, we're expecting them to rebound in twenty twenty one to plus. 6.3%, which is one of the best across the the big six provinces in Canada. So, and also on top of that, uh, BC was running running the hottest going into COVID uh, in terms from a GDP perspective. So, fiscally, they're responsible. I uh, mean, yes, they have a budget deficit this year, but every province has a budget deficit this year, and, and obviously, the ones that are more closely linked to the oil. Provinces have been hit a little harder, but, but uh, BC looks kind of best positioned to come out of this. So, you know, again, I don't think that minus four, or minus four and a half level in BC in longs or anywhere across the curve is something that's going to be around a long time. So, so I think that makes sense. And then, you know, kind of related to the proby market, but not is, uh, I think it's worth looking at, you know, there's still a, a decent amount of issuance that has to get done this year from provinces. Uh, and one thing that's interesting is internationally, they actually haven't really done that much. Like if you you look at say y- you know uh, the program, they are at about one hundred and two billion at this point, point. Uh, and so they've got about forty billion worth to do. Take Ontario for example. Ontario this year internationally has only done eighteen percent of international issuance, so that's actually really skinny for them. I think they would. Prefer to do something in the area of twenty-five to thirty percent. Alberta's done more; they've done forty, and I think they're targeting fifty. And that's the province that's actually done the most in U.S. dollars. But uh, you know, as a as a total size of the program, all provinces uh, we're at about twenty percent. So compared to last year, which was thirty-three percent, you know they should be tapping international markets a lot more favorably. And so. You know another way to kind of express that in in terms of a trade idea is, is it's worth having a look at ba labor and I Joel's been pounding the table on this but ba labor is is rather negative and it is quite favorable for domestic issuers to look at the dollar market for supply and you know have a look at Quebec Quebec is looking at the euro market right now for exactly that reason because it is it is favorable for that international issuance you know you look at if I look at uh, Ontario is about flat. Alberta is about minus nine. Manitoba is a minus five. So there are some opportunities there. And I think, you know, whether it's buying 10 year BA LIBOR, or if you're a hedge fund, and and you want to lever up a little bit buying something like, you know, 12 year, four, three year BA LIBOR, or five year, five year BA LIBOR. I think those are the trades that you kind of want to look at putting on to express more issuance in international markets.
0: Thanks, both of you. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Jordan, for uh, joining me this week. Uh, I guess we'll leave it there. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks a lot, Ben. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for listening to Views from the North, a Canadian rates and macro podcast. I hope you'll join me again for another episode.
1: This podcast has been prepared with the assistance of employees of Bank of Montreal, BMO Nesbitt Burns Incorporated, and BMO Capital Markets Corporation. Together, BMO, who are involved in fixed income and foreign exchange sales and marketing efforts. For further information, please go to bmocm.com slash macrohorizons slash legal.